So it's interesting that the one God who always tells us in Scripture that He is but one often will speak of Himself in the plural. And we get that from the very beginning of our Bible, right? God says, let us make man in our image. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Indo Podcast Show. I'm Isaac, your host, and with me today is your friend and mine, Jake Lowell. Hey, guys. On uh, on the website, actually, if you go to the About section on the website, there's little pictures of some of us, and in Jake's, the description is just the guy. I have a bone to pick with Sean Witzke about this, because not only that definition, but if you go there, like, my whiteness is haunting <laughs> the Indoubt site page. Like, I am so white. The contrast is so high up, and I'm just going to pretend like that's not my natural like complexion, but I think he added right. some. I don't know what, but yeah, yeah it's and incredible. There, and there's just such a contrast because actually my wife is pictured right next to you, so you have this beauty over here. And then a troll next to <laughs> <Sorry>, you. <yeah. laughs> um, so Jake, you're the young adult leader at Cascade Community Church. Yes, I am. When did you start that? I started that October of 2015. Right. Yeah, I started that. Cool. Yeah, which is great. And I also do some worship leading at the church as well. That's awesome. And you're preaching this, uh, this Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday. And then you're also studying at Trinity Western University. Yeah, I've been there for two years. I changed my major, which is, you know, is always a great thing to do because it takes you twice as long to finish your degree. Of course. Um, but yeah, I'm there. I'm doing English and religious studies. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, to the listeners, like Jake is part of the guest cast. So as well as Brittany and Sean and Jake, uh, they're going to be some of the few people that will come on like once a month and just hang out and listen in and, yeah. and chat with me. So thank you for doing that. That's awesome. I have some quick questions for you, though, just so people can get sure. to know you a little bit. One, your favorite band or artist in high school? My favorite? Oh, gosh. This is <laughs> Embarrassing. In high school. I don't know. Like I was a, weirdly, because I'm not really like that at all. Like I was a huge ACDC fan, which is super lame. It is. Um, yeah, it is. Because I wasn't born in that time at all. And I was just one of those kids. You know, I have like the, or like the Led Zeppelin t-shirts. I've never listened to a single song hey, by them or something. I did the like same that. thing with the Pink Floyd shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I had the Dark Side of the Moon. So, I never yeah, heard I was of big, it. I was big. Yeah, ACDC fan. Um I don't know. I can't even think well, back. We can leave Super that. lame, I like Fall Out Boy and that sort of thing. Like, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Not anymore at all. <laughs> at least that's what I tell public. Um, if you could live in a sitcom, what would it be? If I lived in it. If you lived so in any sitcom, sitcom would, would you I, live in? I would die to live in The Office. Like, I would die to live in that show. I could watch that show all day long. Yeah. And like, it's pretty... yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's just, really good. Michael Scott could be my best friend. I'm it too, be... I'm too empathetic so when I watch it, when he puts himself in the situations, you just I, can't, can't I can't handle it. it you can't it's handle too embarrassing. the awkwardness. I can't, so that's, I can't do the, it. that's the best part about it. Well, we're starting a new series this week called This is the Gospel. It's a five-week series. It's big. The reason being is because we're looking into five major aspects of the gospel, that being God, man, sin, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And the whole point of this series is to really see how each of these parts play the, a role in the bigger story of the, of the gospel. So this week is all about God the sort of the, the, the head of it all, the father of the gospel. So uh, we actually had Dr. John Newfeld, who is the Bible teacher at Back to the Bible Canada, which we're a part of. Uh, he came in, he, I got to chat with him about it and you got to listen to it. Yeah. Um, I obviously was the one talking to him. So let's listen to the conversation and then we'll come back and give our thoughts. Sounds good. Well, it's an honor to have Dr. John Newfeld with me in the studio today. Hey, John. Hey, good to be here, Isaac. 
Oh, I'm glad you're here. Um, so in, in our This is the Gospel series, for in doubt, uh, the first subject is God. Okay, so earlier this year, actually, you did a series called This is Our God. Yeah. And in that, you talked about different attributes, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I talked about different attributes of God, the being of God. I also talked about the Trinity for quite some time. Yeah. Right, 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 exactly. Well, uh, we're going to jump into this. Uh, we're going to dis- discuss a little bit about who God is. Psalm 86, 8, among many other verses, says this, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. So the first question, what do you say to someone who asks, who is this one-of-a-kind God? Yeah, I think the first thing to say is maybe to repeat what was called in the Old Testament the Shema, and Shema simply means to hear. So it comes from Deuteronomy 6, uh, 1, hear, O Israel, behold, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I think we begin by saying that, first of all, we are monotheists. Uh, We only believe there is one God. And so in that sense, God is in a category all by himself. With everything else in the world, we compare things to things, but there is nothing to compare God to. And Isaiah says that, to to whom will you compare me or count me as equal? So the first thing I think we need to say about God is that he is in a class, a category, unlike any other thing that we have ever encountered, either in nature or in experience. Right. Now, as humans, though, like you said, we compare things to other things to figure out what they're like. How do we know what God is like. Right. So if we start from our human frame of reference to think about God, so we reason our way back to God from what we have encountered, we're always going to be wrong every single time, 100% of the time. So the only way that we can ever get to know who God is, is if God chooses to condescend by actually revealing himself to us. So we start with the data of revelation. God has spoken, declared himself to human beings, and because he has revealed himself on that basis and on that basis alone, we've come to know him. Right. Now, as you're saying that, I I think of general revelation and special revelation. Do you want to talk about those a little bit, just briefly what those are, if you uh, listeners don't know those terms? Yeah. I mean, general revelation speaks about what can be known about God from nature. Mm -hmm. So at first glance, it might seem that I'm I'm contradicting myself, but but let me explain what I mean here. So the book of Romans, for instance, chapter 1 says, what can be known about God is plain to them because God has made it known. So even in general revelation, we're not really saying that we're starting from ourselves, rather that God has declared himself in nature itself. Right. We know that the second law of thermodynamics, that everything winds down. Mm. Um, So we do know that everything is in decay, Mm -hmm. uh, and yet that there is something that stands behind the nature that is the first cause for the nature so that Paul would say it's self-evident that there must be a creator. If there's a creation, there is an explanation for the reason things are. So we can look at nature itself and say, yep, there is enough evidence in design, in the complexity of things that speaks of a creator. This is God's self-revelation. He himself has declared himself by creation. So it's kind of like when you're walking through a museum and you see a painting, 
right away you're like, there is an author to this. There was a painter that designed this for a specific reason. So when we walk out into the world and we see nature, the same thing conjures up in our minds. Yeah, not only when we look at a painting do we know that there's a painter, but we know something about the painter. The painter himself has revealed himself in his work. And that's really what we talk about in general revelation. Every human being knows from the creator's work that the creator has infinite wisdom and that has infinite power, and that he has, out of nothing, brought something into existence. Right. And uh, special revelation then. Yeah, special revelation, we talk about scripture. So natural revelation, we talk about the first textbook that God has written, and that's the textbook of nature. And the second revelation is that God has revealed himself specifically through the prophets and the apostles. He has given us a book called the Bible, And the book itself is God's self-disclosure, which goes so much further than than natural revelation, because in this book we find out how we can have a relationship with this God, right? Uh, Nature could not teach us that. Now, it's, it's through special revelation, this fact that he reveals himself in the holy scriptures. That's when we start to uh, uh, find out different attributes, different characteristics of God. And one of the first ones I want to kind of briefly talk about is this idea that God is triune. Now, we're doing two other podcasts specifically on Jesus, the Son of God, and also the Holy Spirit. But for those that are kind of, uh, they don't quite understand the idea that God is, where, like you said, we're, this is a monotheistic God. How is God triune? Yeah, it's interesting. The, the Hebrew word for God is the word Elohim. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a plural. That's a plural noun. Uh, the singular would be just simply El, E-L. Uh, That would be, and there are places in the Bible where the word God is simply translated from El, E-L. Like El Shaddai, maybe? Uh Uh-huh, exactly. God, the Almighty One. But in most places, uh, for instance, we were talking about the Shema, which, Behold, O Israel, the Lord our gods is one God's. So that's the Elohim is yes, used there. Interesting. Yes. So it's interesting that the one God who always tells us in Scripture that he is but one often will speak of himself in the plural. And we get that from the very beginning of our Bible, right? God says, let us make man in our image. So the question is, who is he speaking to? And uh, you know, I know that there are some scholars that are saying, that, well, he must be speaking to the angels But nowhere does the scripture say that we're made in the image of the angel. So God could not say, let us, you know, that is I, God, and you, the angels, make a God who reflects both angels and myself. That's not what the text is saying. So God is speaking to himself. And so the one God is speaking to himself. And quite frankly, we can read the 39 books of the Old Testament, and the matter is left a mystery. Mm -hmm. Until we come to the New Testament, Uh, And I think it's left a mystery in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, the great issue is idolatry. Yes. And the idea that people were believing that there were many gods. And so if in the Old Testament context, the idea had been introduced that one God exists forever as three distinct persons, there would have been no end of the confusion. So first God, throughout generations, makes it clear that he's but one. Okay. And then once having settled that into our hearts, then he reveals to us that he is so unlike any other thing that we have an experience of, that he in fact exists for all times as three distinct persons. So that's what the New Testament reveals on top of the Old. So if we think of the Trinity, we think of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Father. What's sort of the unique personality of the Father within the, the Trinity? 
clearly the father takes the leadership. Mm. You know, there, there's a, an aha that people have when they think about God. When they come to realize that the son is fully equal to the father from all of eternity, and yet the son obeys the father, I mean, there's an aha that happens. You can have full equality and yet submission at the same time. I mean, I would say that in terms of, you know, the marriage relationship. The wife submits to her husband while she maintains full equality to her husband at the very same time. And so God the Father plans the creation, but the Son seems to in some way actually affect the creation uh, that all things are made through the agency of the Son, says right. the Scripture. Yeah. Uh, the same is also true in our redemption. The Father plans our salvation from eternity past. The Son obeys the Father, is sent by the Father to be our Redeemer, mm. and obeys him to the point of death so that in the garden, Jesus would say, not my will, but yours be done. Yes. And then the Holy Spirit is the one who accomplishes our salvation by drawing men and women unto himself. So all three are actually involved in our salvation, Hmm. but they play a different role while at the same time they are fully equal and that the three are fully the one God. Yes. All right, let's talk about some of the uh, characteristics and attributes of God. We already kind of touched on his holiness Quickly, we said that there is he's in a completely other category because holiness is being set apart. It's being completely different. Now, if you want to speak more into the fact that God is holy, uh, we read obviously in Isaiah, like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and then constantly throughout the Bible as well. Yeah, there's several aspects in holiness, and you've touched on one of them, and the one of them is the otherness of God. Yeah. Uh, I like to say that, you know, we used to have in our, in our household what I called holy cutlery. So, you know, you have these special events, you know, maybe everybody's over and it's a, you know, a kind of a formal event. So we, we bring out this cutlery that we only bring out for those special occasions right. and not when we're like kind of bleary-eyed having breakfast across the table from each other. Exactly. Right? Uh, so it's used for an occasion unlike all others and God himself is in a category unlike others. Now that's a part of holiness, mm-hmm. but not all of it. I mean, holiness also bears with it the idea of sinlessness that our God is incapable of unrighteousness. Holiness also brings a sense of splendor to it as well. Uh, And so all of those things kind of get wrapped up together in holiness. In holiness. All right. Uh, The next thing, God's sovereignty. Uh Uh-huh. So let's let's touch on this word, and I think for a lot of listeners, they've heard the word, you know, God's sovereignty thrown around, but they might be a little bit confused on exactly what that what that means. So what what does it mean, and then how is God sovereign? Well, normally when we think of the word sovereign, a sovereign, if we use it as a noun, is a king. Right. So when we say that God is sovereign, we mean He's the ruler over all, mm-hmm. and so simply He expresses His dominion over all that He has made. He is both Creator and King at the mm-hmm. same time. Um, He owns all things, including our own lives, and so he's sovereign and king and leader over all of us. But we also know that the Bible, for instance, uh, Proverbs 16.33 will say things like, the die is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Hmm. So you get this sense that, you know, how does God rule? Well, he rules down to the meticulous minutia in our own lives. You roll a dice, and the outcome of what might seem like a random event is actually from God. So God directs all things, and that's part of his rulership. He rules in such a way 
that even rebellion against his purposes is directed by him, ultimately for his long-term good. Now, next week, we're going to be talking about man, and we'll kind of talk a little bit more about human responsibility and getting there, because I think a lot of people find that a tough thing to reason in their head a little bit. So God's sovereignty is the fact that he has ordered for his specific purposes every little and large thing on this earth. Yeah, and, and immediately when we say it that way, everyone asks the question. I mean, everyone, Isaac, you know, what's the issue with evil? I mean, right. does, is God responsible for it? And the answer is God is never the author of evil. Right, he's holy. He's holy, that's right. So he only does that which is righteous and pure. Um, however, having said that, um, there'd be two things I would quote. One is the words of Joseph. You know, his brothers come to him at the end of this incredible adventure in which they sell him into slavery, and Joseph ends up being the, the prime minister in Egypt and saves his own brothers from starvation. And, and Joseph says to his brothers, and I'm quoting Genesis 50, verse 20, he says, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Mm. And so there is an intention. So the same event was intended by the brothers of Joseph in a very different way than God intended it. So uh, the example that I love to use is if you can imagine somebody tackling an 80-year-old woman in a street. Now, one person might tackle that 80-year-old woman and grabs her purse and runs away. That's an intention of evil. Perhaps somebody else tackles her because he sees an oncoming car ready to hit her, and he tackles her and gets her out of the way. Yeah. Now, the action is the same, but the intention changes everything, and we all know that. Right. So we're going to look at evil, and we're going to say, this is a horrible thing that happened. And it is. But God can allow evil to exist in a world which he controls. Right. And he does it for a different intention then Satan would use it for or evil men yes. would use it for. So when you look around at the world and you see horrible things, do you think of them as evil? Because yes. you do think of them as I do. evil, even though it's the intention that's evil, not necessarily the action itself. Uh, well, of course, in an evil act, both the act and the intention is evil. Okay. Yeah. So we want to say both of those together. Right. And uh, what we would want to say of God's role in that. So let's... Uh, the obvious thing might be the Holocaust, mm -hmm. right? So we say, what good could come from the Holocaust? Right. Well, in one sense, nothing at all, mm -hmm. because the action was evil, and the intent of both Satan and a regime filled with darkness was only to do evil. But then we can say, and yet in a world where God rules, he's the king, he has surely allowed this event to occur. And I want to put the emphasis on the fact that God has allowed it. So the, the whole movement towards evil comes from, from the evil one who is Satan and evil men. But God has allowed it according to his good purposes because in the end he knows that he intends something in it that would be overwhelmingly good. And I know that's hard for us to grasp, but were we not to grasp it, the alternative, think about the alternative. What if... God simply allowed some things to happen, and they're just bad things, and they're not redeemable at all. Mm. What then? Right. So if, Isaac, you or I were to hear the news from our medical doctor, you have cancer, maybe we just simply say, bad stuff happens, and this is just horrible. Well, that's what it would be like if God wasn't sovereign. But because God is sovereign, we might look at something horrible that happens and say, I don't know how, 
but I do know that God will redeem this for something. He would never have allowed this to occur were it not for two things. One, his glory and my long-term good. That's what we're saying. And Romans 8, 28 comes into mind as you say that. That's very good. I want to look at some other, quickly, some other prominent characteristics, attributes. Uh, maybe one is love. We read in First John that God is love. And you've also heard people say God is love, but love is not God. And I think in our kind of culture today, there's a lot of you know young people and they just emphasize the social justice and this loving thing, this love, love, love. Um, talk about the fact that God is love, but maybe love is not God. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me say that the Greeks were far better at speaking about love than we are as English-speaking people. Okay. Because we have only one word for it, and the Greeks had four. Right. So they really understood that there were a whole variety of emotions and actions that people do that should be articulated differently. So the problem that we have with love is we talk about everything from people making love, which is simply a euphemism for sex. Yeah. Uh, to people laying down their lives for someone else and an act of, of sacrifice, which is only for the good of the other. Yes. So there's a whole range of meaning behind love. And so when we say God is love, our problem is we are so inarticulate in the English-speaking world about what we mean. And so we've confused the matter a whole awful lot. Yeah. Um, so when we say that God is love, what we want to say is that God has acted in a way in which he has used all his resources as God or his attributes as God, and he utilizes them for our own good. That's an amazing thing, that God would use his resources as God in order to benefit us. So that's why we can say, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. So God gives to the point of sacrifice for the good or the object of those people who are recipients of love. Well, that wraps up our time today, but I think what John and I have just talked about, about God, uh, hopefully just whet your appetite for, for more because there is, there's so much more. Anyways, thank you so much, Dr. John, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you next week. Amen. Well, that was uh, the conversation I had with Dr. John. Good. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because... In this whole series, what we want to do is we want to look at, obviously, the specific aspect that we're looking at, God, you know, Jesus, man, whatever it is, and see how it applies. So, I mean, this conversation I just had was very, we're learning about these kind of major characteristics and attributes of God. We looked at holiness, sovereignty, all these different things. But I guess the question I kind of want to talk about is how does understanding that about God play a part in, in our lives? Yeah, and I think before we get into that, you know, people may have listened to this or even like looked it up beforehand. And I think the big issue a lot of people have when they're looking at sort of the character of God is they get into it and they don't find what they want to find. Right. <laughs> like they don't find enough for them. And it's like, well, where's the answer? Like, who is God? Like, is there like a dictionary definition of who he is and what it'll do, you know, and, and a step-by-step sort of plan for that. And we sort of forget that we're not him. Right. We're not the same as him, you know? Right. God is a being who's greater right. for a reason, because he's God. And what we're trying to understand here is something we can't. We can't right. grasp it. Right. Because if we knew who God was fully, then he'd cease to be God because we'd be on the same level as right. him. There needs to be that level of difference. Yeah. 
because of who he is, of his right. essence. Exactly. I think that's that's crucial. The starting of the conversation, we talked about that, that usually when you want to learn about something, you look, you compare it with things that are closer to yeah. it, but it's with God. You can't do that because he is so other than us, mm-hmm. so set apart. And I think that's kind of one of the aspects of holiness that we talked about was that it, it's this idea of being set apart. Yeah. So I guess the question is, we've been called to also be holy, mm-hmm. like God is holy, be perfect, like your heavenly father yeah. is perfect. Perfect. So when we look at God being this other than God, how does that now affect our lives in which God has called us to be holy and set apart? And that's the beauty of it mixed in with this, you know, our unknowingness of who God is, is that he takes the time and the effort to reveal himself to us purposefully. Right. Not a mistake, but he, he literally... Purposefully through through what he does, like what you guys talked about through general revelation, yeah. he shows us who he is right. through his creation. Yeah, you know you can see that he's he loves life through the through the seasons. You know right. things are renewed, but you can also see it in the scriptures. Yeah, as well. So here we have this God who purposefully reveals himself to us. Yeah, because that's how it works. You know we can't reach him; he comes to us. Yeah, that's right. And we we obviously see that. In Jesus, yeah. which is God literally coming down, like, I got to come down and mm-hmm. I got to fix this mess because it's a little broken yeah. down here. Uh, and we'll get there in obviously a few weeks as well. And yeah. through that too, we're supposed to not just see that, but take it mm-hmm. and then alter how we act, how we live yeah. our faith through that. Yes. And through using the Holy Spirit to reveal truth about it in the yeah. scriptures and then apply it. Yeah, that's so good. And the other thing I really love about this, which we can kind of finish up on, is the fact that, you know, God God is sovereign. He's in control. He has directed, he's directed our paths. Like he, he, he knew us from the beginning. Like he knit us in the wombs of our moms. Yeah. He did for a purpose. And he has a, he has a journey for our lives. And that's something that's just amazing because every night I can go to bed without kind of being freaked out or anxious or anything. Cause I know that this is part of the plan that God has for my life, Yeah, you know, and that's just because of his sovereignty. Mm-hmm. That's a, a beautiful thing about his sovereignty that he is in control and he is the King above all. I think that God fits into the gospel in such a way that he has ordered it. it it's a, it's a gospel of love. It's a gospel of righteousness. It's a gospel of his, his son, Jesus, which we'll get yeah. to, which we'll get to soon. But Anyways, that, that wraps up the Endo Podcast Show. I'm so glad you're able to come and give yeah, some no, input and just hang out with me. It's good. Yeah, it's good. So, hey, that wraps up the Endo Podcast Show. And uh, if you want to connect with us or ask any questions, if something from this episode, uh, you were interested in something or something popped up that you have more questions about, email us at info at indo.ca. Uh, go to indo.ca and uh, <clears throat> read some of the other articles we have. You can contact us on there as well. But we'd love to hear from you. So uh, you can do that. You can also follow us on the major uh, social networks like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, so that that's it. I'm Isaac, and this is the Indo Podcast Show. The In Doubt Podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's Young Adult Ministry, In Doubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.